Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and we are back. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Show. Uh, My next guest is a very passionate writer and author and the publisher of 12 books, with four of them being number one national bestsellers. His name is Stephen Manchester. His work has appeared in numerous national and local media channels and on 50-plus nationally syndicated radio shows from coast to coast. And we're going to talk about his latest novel, Ashes, but we're also going to talk about the whole process of writing and, uh, and, and why this is so much part of him. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you, Patricia. I appreciate it. Good. How did you get started writing? Um, my grandfather was an amazing storyteller, right? But he never put pen to paper. So I remember being very small thinking that, you know, words have power. Right? They can make people laugh. They can make them cry. But most importantly, they connect us to each other, right? So I knew early on I wanted to be a storyteller. Um, you know, I, I basically had this dream of becoming this published writer or author. You know, fast forward 20 years, I served in the first Gulf War. I was a squad leader in a military police unit for the U.S. Army. And we actually went to Iraq uh, during the first Gulf War, and it was a very difficult time for me. Um, you know, to say that it was difficult is actually an understatement. But I remember being, you know, at one point standing in the Arabian desert, and I made myself a promise, you know, realizing that life's too short. You know, when I get home, not if, but when I get home, I'm going to chase this dream down and, um, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the rejection rate in the industry is right around 96, 97%. So it's not really, wow. but, you know, having, you know, survived a difficult situation like that, it really kind of brought to, to light that, you know, we're only giving one shot at this, right? So I wanted to make it the best shot I could. And from then on, I really did, you know, pursue it. Uh, and let's talk about the evolution of your writing career itself. I mean, you've right. done poetry and short stories. You've done best-selling novels. How did that right. all, you know, what, what came first? I think, well, I mean, you know, I've always been a student of the game, right? So I tell, you know, a lot, a lot of aspiring writers, like, when you first get started, you have to read a lot. You really do. I mean, that's how you fill your toolbox with, with everything that you need and, and to get the skill set to start writing. But um, when I first started, a lot of it was practice, right? So I would write poems. I would write short stories. Um, but I really, for the full length of feature stuff, I wrote really to a, mi- a male audience. So I wrote a book called Six Five, A Different Shade of Blue, which is, was a, a, a like a full length work, uh, nonfiction, basically walking through a prison system through the eyes of a correction officer. I worked in, in, you know, in corrections as an investigator for 10 years in Massachusetts. Wow. Um, once that book came out, I actually wrote a book about uh, Operation Desert Storm called uh, The Unexpected Storm. And uh, a little bit autobiographical, well, very much so, but kind of a strange approach. We, we did it in the third person so that everybody could kind of apply their own story to it, and it was more relatable. But once I exhausted mm-hmm. that, Patricia, I, I had to, I was hooked. I had the bug. I really wanted to continue to write. So, um, you know, once you exhaust what you know, you have to start making it up, right? So I, I went into uh, fiction, and that's when you really, really have to up your game, right? Because when you write nonfiction, you need to be an expert at what you're talking about. Uh, when you write fiction, you just need to be able to really write. Um, well, the so books that you wrote fun. about your career in Desert Storm, those were fiction books, correct? But based no, on some facts? 
No, they were actually nonfiction. But they were the, they the were. strange part of the Desert Storm book was um, well, the, first, the prison book I wrote through a pen name called Stephen Herberts, and I'm glad that I did because I was still learning how to write, and it's not you know clearly not the best book I've ever written. Right, so we all have to start somewhere, but. The Desert Storm book was written, it reads really, you know, like a novel, but it's completely based on truth. And it's just, you know, kind of my walk through, through Operation Desert Storm with the, with the men and women that I served with. Mm-hmm. So from there, where did the poetry fit in? Did that kind of come in between? Yeah. Well, I think it was almost like therapy for me, right? So, so you know, I was suffering for a long time. Uh, as I said, I didn't do the full 20 years uh, in law enforcement. I actually left about halfway through uh, to try to save my soul, right? I couldn't, to be quite honest, I, I couldn't heal from the war and, and while I was working in law enforcement and working in, you know, that violent type of environment. So I, I started writing poetry, and then I started writing short stories, and then I realized that, you know, even with my background, and I think it still makes people laugh, but, you know, I have this background in the military, law enforcement. I'm, you know, I'm not a small guy, I, you know. Um, so when I meet people for the first time as a writer, they're, they're very surprised that I write tearjerkers. I write really male perspective to a female audience, right? Much like Mitchell, mm. Bob, you know, Mitch Album or Nicholas Sparks. I mean, that's kind mm. of my wheelhouse. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. And he's, he is one of my favorites. Of course, so many of his books yeah. have become movies. Right. Um, Right. But your your last book, the most recent one, Ashes, has some of that in it in terms it, of it betrayal and then um, travel and also it's biting, but it's humorous, but it's tender, it's family. Talk about that right. book. Well, I think most people, at this point in my career or even in my life, like I really write for my children, right? So as long as I'm happy with that book, that someday they'll pick it up or my grandchildren will pick it up and read it and get something from it, then, you know, I've, I've done my job, right? Uh, mm. The idea that other people enjoy it is fantastic, and I, you know, I'd be crazy not to say, you know, differently, but I, with that book, I wanted it to be relatable, like incredibly relatable, right? So family dysfunction is something, whether people admit to it or not, it's something that everybody, right, has to deal with, regardless at what level. So right off the bat, you can you can kind of relate to the book, but... I am entering, you know, middle age, so I grew up with two brothers. You know, 30 years ago, our conversations really were about, um, you know, getting married and having kids and career aspirations. You know, you, you fast forward 10, 15 years, and then it's about, you know, the, the kids going to school and college funds and all this other stuff. And now, you know, everybody's starting to get these doctor's appointments. We're talking about retirement funds, so it's almost like this bittersweet comedy that goes with it. Um, so I wanted to write a book at this point in my life that would trace or track these two brothers, these siblings who haven't talked to each other in 15 years, right? So the only yeah. thing they hate more than each other is their father, who uh, mm-hmm. is probably the greatest villain that I've ever written, you know. But um, to put them in a, in a situation where they're basically contained and isolated together for six days, traveling from Salem, Massachusetts to Seattle, Washington. So they're forced wow. to be in each other's company. Uh, so it lends itself to a lot of humor, but it also lends itself to, to trauma because I believe, irregardless of whether or not you like somebody in your family, nobody knows you better than people that you grew up with, right? So um, they actually remind each other of who they really are, you know what I mean? And I think that's really what I was trying to get to in that book. Is, is, any, uh, are, is this based on any facts, any people in your family, any relatives, well, any other parts of that? Yeah, that's, that, that's a great question. I, you know... 
when people say, you know, fiction, I believe that you can only write about what you know, who you know, where you've been. Uh, and I'm being truthful when I say that. Fortunately, I have very good relationships with my brothers. But, I can, I've, you know, I've witnessed a lot of families where there is this enormous separation and, uh, you know, where people become estranged. And I can see how that happens. And a lot of it is, I believe, um, just a lot of, you know, a lot of lack of communication. But when you get down to what caused it, you know, usually people can, you know, get past it, right? So um, it's based on, you know, experiences, but not so much directly for me. And I'm, I feel very fortunate about that. Uh, but I have witnessed families where they've, they've gone through that. For me, the trick with this book was to develop the characters so much that I knew exactly how they were going to act, react. You know, I, I intentionally made them polar opposites in many ways, so it was just, it, again, it lends itself to a lot of that comedy. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to people who, you know, are listening to this and thinking, you know, I'd really love to write, but I don't know where to start, or I want to get published, but I don't know if I can. What would you say? Right. I, it can be done. It can absolutely be done. And, and I don't know too many things you know, outside of, of marrying my wife and, and having our children that, that uh, I have felt so much joy from or, or have this sense of accomplishment. I, it's not an easy thing. I mean, we, we get what we work for, right? Not what we wish for. And I talk to a lot of people who talk about it, and I say, listen, you need to start today, right? So put pen to paper. It doesn't take much to, to, to start your project. The trick, I think, to being successful is to really do your homework. Make sure that you read a lot that you're writing what you love to read, right? Something within that, that, that genre or that wheelhouse. Um, mm-hmm. And if you feel passionate enough about it, then, then you can really get it done. And it, and it can be done. I mean, even though the rejection rate is, is very high, I've been published with an agent, without an agent. I mean, it's, a lot of it's about perseverance. And if you can really believe in yourself and, and you, you commit to getting this done, it'll get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's the whole topic about, you know, self-publishing versus Mm-hmm. having a publisher publish for you. And, you know, my right. understanding has always been if you can have a publisher, it's it's to your advantage because right. they are, they're looking more at what's trending, what's in the market. When you self-publish, right. you can really publish what you want. What do you think, Stephen? Yeah. I agree with you. I think 10 years ago when you talked about self-publishing, people would talk about vanity presses, subsidy presses. It was a, a, a really bad mock. Yeah, not today. Mm-hmm. Today, everything has changed, and a lot of things have changed because of Amazon and the way that books are sold, um, being electronic versus print. Um, it's legitimate. I mean, people are self-published. Some of the best books that I've read in the last five years were self-published. But to your point, Patricia, which is a great point, it's really, really hard to market and distribute books, or I should say create a readership. I mean, you need you know people to be looking for your next work, right, in order to survive in this business. So... Um, it's really difficult to do that alone. If you can, then absolutely do it. For me, you know, I work with uh, Lou Aronica with, with the Story Plant, and uh, I've been working with him for the past six or seven years. He's become a mentor to me, so he's, he also serves as a copy editor, uh, and he's really guided me in my career. And um, he's been—I've been able to accomplish things with his help that I really, really, truly believe I wouldn't have been able to do alone. Um, yeah. So I tell everybody: when you first get started, take that shot. I mean, take. You know, go after the big agent, go after the big publishers, right? And then, you know, and I don't want to say work your way down, but this, you know, self-publishing is always an option. It's always going to be on the table. But before mm-hmm. you take that option, at least give it a try. Yeah. And as we said, it's easier today than it was before. So it, it's, right. Absolutely. it's much easier for you to be able to do that than yes. it was before. All right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are talking about, uh, we're talking to Stephen Manchester, who is the author of four number one national bestsellers, uh, 12 Months, The Rock and Chair, Press Pennies in Gooseberry Island, and many others. He's, his work has appeared on NBC's Today Show, CBS Early Show, CNN's American Morning, is many, and then three of his short stories were selected for the 101 Best Chicken Soup for the Soul series. So, and he also produced the playwright of the three shoeboxes so he's really an avid writer and his books are both fiction and non-fiction but has done a lot with fiction we're going to come back and talk more about book writing what it does for your soul um, more advice that he gives to authors and check out the website stephenmanchester.com you're listening to the patricia raskin show right here on voiceamerica.com america's voice we'll be right back Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. And we are talking about Fiction and nonfiction writing with a, an amazing published writer and author, Stephen Manchester, who has published 12 books, four of them being number one national bestsellers. His work has appeared in numerous national and local media channels and on 50 plus nationally syndicated radio shows from coast to coast. And one of the things that Stephen does also is teach. 
So welcome back, Stephen, and tell us about how you teach aspiring writers and what they learn. Thank you, Patricia. I, I, yeah, I really, really enjoy working with um, new writers, right? So age doesn't make a difference to me. I don't care if you're young or you're just starting in you know, your 70s and 80s. It's fantastic to work with people who are doing it for the first time because it really is about the creative process. So I love the process. I love to write. If it were up to me, you know, I would have nothing to do with sales or marketing or all the other stuff that we absolutely need to do in order to stay, you know, relevant. But, um, you know, for me, it's about the writing. So I, I work with people at conferences, workshops. I, I, uh, I do a couple of different uh, classes. One is Fiction That Sells. Another one is called Get Published. And really what I do is we talk about the baseline. So from everything from getting the plot to a book or, or a storyline, right, what it should take you to actually get that going, how to storyboard a book, which is basically an outline, uh, very detailed outline. So the more you do within your storyboard process, the easier it is, and it becomes more efficient in writing the book. I talk about mm-hmm. character development. I talk about all that stuff. But really what I am is a cheerleader, right? So I tell people, hey, it can be done. I'm proof positive it can be done. I'll show you exactly the way that I went and did it. I mean, there are a thousand different ways or a million different ways, but uh, I teach people my way. But I also try to give them some of the tricks or advantages in the business to get their, their stuff read. So there's never any guarantee to, to get something published, but I can, if they listen to me and they kind of learn and, and, and do some, and they have to put the work in, but if you put the work in, I'm, I'm, I'll guarantee that we can get some agents and publishers to read that manuscript, and that's the trick. Yeah. Are you working with your own children in terms of writing? Do you help them write or guide them? Yeah, well, my, one of my sons, it's, it's, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it, because my oldest son, Evan, just, just finished school. He just graduated. Uh, from Bridgewater State's a communications major, so he's working for the local newspaper. He's going to be doing some producing for for a radio show, and uh, I see him doing some real creative stuff for television. Right, so for me, uh, you know, the TV stuff, I'm more of a novelist, and then we're looking at screenplays for the big screen. But uh, for him, I, I see a future in television. My my uh, my second son is actually at a manual college right now. He's a communications major, and he wants to be a filmmaker. Right, so. You know, definitely the passions there, the interest, and they—they they, they were, I don't want to say predestined, but they—you know—I was born with a certain gift. You know, fortunately, I was able to develop that gift, uh, and I think you know they were born with the same thing, right? So they—they they have that passion, mm-hmm. they have that love for it. Yeah. Do you think, Stephen, that when you write, that it um, it helps your soul, and it also yeah. helps you in terms of just being more, I would say, present and authentic. Yes, absolutely. I think I, I honestly, for me, and I think the reason I love the process is, is because it, you know, more times than not, it's a spiritual experience for me, right? I've written things where it's almost as if somebody handed it to me or they were sitting on the side of me while I was doing it, right? So I'm not a very religious man, but I'm a man of great faith. I always have been. And um, for me, you know, when I look at the Desert Storm book, I, I really, I'm not sure I would still be here or I'd be talking to you if it wasn't for that book. It was a catharsis. You know, something mm-hmm. to help to heal my soul. And I believe I was able to help other people as well, which just made it that much more precious, right? So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it transcends, you know, the physical mm-hmm. for me. It's really, really a spiritual mm-hmm. thing for me. Well, and there are many courses for people around healing where they write. You know, you write your story. Right. Real, there's a whole thing on morning pages where you just get up and you just write. You just get it out. Whatever in there you just get out. As a, as a right. therapeutic tool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I believe that the written word connects us. I, I really do. And, and the theme, the underlying theme for all of my novels, 
even though I don't write sequels, it's always a brand new story with brand new characters. But the underlying theme is that none of us is alone ever, right? So I think the way that I write my books, it connects people, you know. So so you see yourself or your family within that story, and it connects you to me. And you know, we have that discussion, and it's just yeah, absolutely fantastic. You know, I th- you just said something that I think really resonated for me, and I'm sure for listeners, I think. Part of our problem, particularly in our culture, is a lot of us feel alone. You know, I mean, right. you're surrounded by right. people, but we're constantly busy. We're, we're cranking yeah. out deadlines, and then we're by ourselves. And then right. maybe the phone doesn't ring, or then maybe we don't hear from people. And we feel alone, and yet what you're saying is we're never alone because we have right. spirits around us, guides around us. We have our own, sure. you know, our own inner self to help us. So talk about that a little bit. We've got a couple more. Well, I've always, I mean, I just believe we're all parts of a whole. I always have, right? So it's insane to me that people hear each other, but, and I've spent a lot of my life, you know, in law enforcement, the military, where I've seen that firsthand, and it's just, you know, terrible. But, you know, from, from you know, my within my spiritual life, right, I, I really believe that we're all parts of a whole, that we're all connected. And the writing piece for me, like, if I can write a book that, brings you into the story when you start you know when you open up the front cover and you start getting into the book basically you and i are taking a trip together right so you automatically are not alone i'm with you right i'm telling the story but you're filling in all the blanks and the details and your imagination and we're kind of moving through this together hopefully the characters although you know people say fictional and that you know i i see them as, as 3d right they're just basically um almost like examples of, of what, you know, real people are, the way they talk, and they become real, at least they do for me as a, as a writer, they become very real. Absolutely. Um, so I, I think it's very, very difficult to feel alone when, you, when you're reading a book, if you're into that book, and, and it and it becomes yeah. real for you, right? Yeah, and that's I true. You know, I, I find I, that a lot when I watch movies or when I read. Yeah, you get, right. You, right, you become part of it. All right, what would you like to leave our listeners with? What are your closing thoughts about writing, about novels, about fiction, nonfiction, poetry? What what, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I, I just think, you know, for me, and I tell, you know, the kids, I go talk to these little kids in schools and, and whatnot, and I say, regardless of what you do, whether or not you paint, you, you, you play music, you create for words, I mean, create something, right? Be creative, because... That's, that's a part of life that a lot of people overlook, right? Because they're not making money at it and they have to, mm-hmm. all these responsibilities. But, you know, set aside some time and the same way you work for physical exercise, but, but create. And it's good for the soul. It really is. To me, it's, you know, comparable to, to prayer in many aspects, you know. Thank you so um, much, Stephen, for being on the program. How can people oh, find you? I'm on Facebook, so feel free to friend me. I'm also on Twitter. But um, my website is um, stephenmanchester.com. Um, if you, you know, again, Facebook is really where I'm at all the time, right? So if you come out there and you, and you friend me and you have a question, I'm real responsive. I'm, I'm, I'm approachable. Okay. You know, I love to talk to readers. To me, you know, writing a book is a dialogue so, or a conversation, and I love to, you know, get that feedback. So please feel free to, you know, to touch base, and if I can help you, I will. Thank you so much, Stephen, for being on the program. Thanks. It was very inspirational. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank stay you. on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Email me, Patricia, at PatriciaRaskin.com. I'll put you on my newsletter list, and I'd love to hear from you. All right, until next time, have a wonderful week. Bye for now. Thank you. 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. We'll be right back. 